Conflict of interest? What conflict of interest? Today on The World. I'm Marco Werman. There are more than 100 Trump companies operating in more than a dozen countries. We'll assess what conflicts of interest that might pose for Donald Trump when he becomes president. We'll also hear from union workers in Indiana. Candidate Trump promised 100% that their factory will stay open. 100%? You guarantee something 100%? I like those odds. So we're going to hold him accountable to his campaign promises. Plus, a plan to combat tax evasion in India has unintended consequences. There are thousands of weddings, thousands and thousands that have been put on hold because people can't pay in cash to the wedding vendors. That and more today, right here on The World. Thank you for being with us. A lot to get to on the show today, including regulating hate speech in this country. Has it ever been done? And what will happen now with all the nastiness currently in the air? One of many questions raised by the Donald Trump campaign and the transition. We're going to start off today looking at another aspect of that transition to the White House, conflict of interest. President-elect Trump's business empire is immense. He's got investments in at least 18 countries, and that includes golf courses in Scotland and Ireland and major buildings in Turkey, Qatar, Indonesia, and India. John Cassidy is a staff writer at The New Yorker. He's been looking at Trump's possible conflicts of interest and says the president-elect might already be skating on thin ice. During the transition, there have been two or three very you know, disturbing signs, the meetings with the um, Indian businessmen, the alleged phone call with the president of Argentina, where it was initially reported that Trump asked him to uh, nod through the construction of a Trump Tower in Buenos Aires. That was subsequently denied. Mm. And now today we've got a third thing. It looks like Trump, when he was talking to Nigel Farage, the um, head of the UK Independence Party in the UK, asked him to oppose offshore windmills. Trump's got a big golf course in Scotland which um, would have some unsightly windmills just offshore, and he's been opposing that. The British courts basically turned down his application to get that stopped, and now he seems to be trying to use his influence with Farage to um, you know, further his business interests. That story has been confirmed. It hasn't been denied. So if he carries on like that when he's president, it's certainly going to become a huge issue, I think. One thing we've been hearing from uh, people who voted for Trump in various parts of the country is Trump is a businessman. It's good for America that he's been so successful in so many places. He'll bring that success to government. What do you make of that? You hear that a lot. I heard that when I was out interviewing Trump voters. The question is, you know, now that he has been elected, should he be allowed to keep his businesses and operate them? The standard in the past has been for uh, presidents to put up any assets they own in a blind trust, which is a uh, trust run by an independent trustee. And uh, the president doesn't know what this person is buying or selling in terms of investments. John, can we just pause here for a moment so I can ask you what conflict of interest actually is and what the law says about conflict of interest for the president? Well, that's what's sort of complicated here and may play to Trump's advantage. For most people who take a job in the federal government, conflicts of interest are very straightforward. If you have a business interest which might come into conflict with some of the decisions you're making or the role you're playing in the federal government, you have to break with that. For example, Hank Paulson, the, who was Treasury Secretary in the last Bush administration, sold his stock in. He was former CEO of Goldman Sachs. Before he became Treasury Secretary, he sold his, all his stock in the company and put it into a trust. That's what usually happens. 
Turns out, however, that for historical reasons, these rules or laws don't apply to the president and vice president. And that dates back to the very early days of the uh, American Republic, when a lot of the presidents were very wealthy um, landowners and slave owners. There are still some other clauses which do apply to them, the so-called emoluments clause of the Constitution, which says that no president or vice president can take what amount to gifts from foreign governments that the, the country's doing business with. But the straightforward conflict of interest laws don't appear to apply. If there are gross violations of standards and practices with the, the Trump presidency and his holdings and investments around the world, is there any legal recourse? That's a very good question. I mean, that's what it looks like. Unfortunately, that's what we're going to find out. I mean, usually one would expect Congress to um, step in, but this, of course, is going to be a Republican-controlled Congress in both houses. I, I think it very much depends on what framework Trump actually sets up. Do you think we're going to find out before he's taken oath of office what he's actually going to do with all these businesses? The Trump organization and his lawyers put out a statement last week that they're currently vetting various arrangements and uh, will get back to us with what they decide to do. I would